For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time! Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, all you powerful parents, all you husbands and wives out there, taking a little time out of your day to level up just a bit. Man, what an honor it is to talk to you, that you would give us some of your time. I am so thrilled. Good pod for you today. I am excited about this one. Today's podcast is sponsored by SaveTheStorks.com, my favorite pro-life organization, and Care Of at TakeCareOf.com, code word Rebel Parenting. Find out what vitamins, minerals, supplements you need to take at TakeCareOf.com, code word Rebel Parenting for 25% off. Today we've got Winifred Riley on the podcast. I saw this book and was like, oh yes, right now, exactly, definitely this book. It is one of the tenets we've been preaching here at Rebel Parenting for so long. It is called, It Takes One to Tango, about fixing your relationship by yourself. She is so fun to talk to, you are going to love it. Let's jump into Winifred Riley on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. All right, Rebels, man, I am so excited for this program. This book came in the mail, and I was like, yes! We're going to talk today about marriage and marriage troubles and working on your marriage when your spouse decides not to work on your marriage. I think there are so many people that fall into that where one spouse is like, hey, we've got issues. We need to work on this. Mm -hmm. There's some things we need to build on. And the other spouse is like, what are you talking about? We're fine. I'm great. Or they just... (laughs) don't want to work on it. And so Mm. we've got Winifred Riley on the program today. She wrote a book called It Takes One to Tango. Mm. It is a perfect title. It is a beautiful book. We were so thrilled to get it. Thanks for being on today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy to talk to you. Oh my goodness. We were thrilled. So I got to ask, I ask everybody, writing a book is hard. It really is. It's difficult. I mean, you're putting yourself out there. All of a sudden, you got to practice what you preach. You got to look at all these words and be like, do I do this? Is this just theory? What made you decide, you know, I have to put myself out there. I've got to write this book. Well, you know, there are a lot of marriage books out there. And a lot of them, especially when I was struggling in my own marriage, they all be like, do these five things, Ugh. do these nine mm-hmm. things, List all books. you need to do, or like how to turn your fights into love experiences, you know, stuff like that. And my fights were like awful and yes. I hated my husband and I, I just like, I'm banging my head against a wall. And so yeah. somewhere, you know, I remember thinking I need a book that says how to keep yourself from murdering your spouse while you're trying to figure out what to do. Yes, and there's so a good I thought, title. <laughs> I should really write that book. And so this is that book about mm. how to figure out what to do, whether you have a spouse who is thinks things are fine as they are or thinks, oh, therapy doesn't work mm. or, you know, the problem is you, that people end up getting stuck. And so lots of the couples that I see we're stuck in that way mm-hmm. and discouraged because the books out there are supposed to make it look easy. So mm-hmm. I actually, my first title for the book was going to be Marriage is Hard, It's Not Just You. Oh, but, I like that. You know, and so that's basically kind of my stance. And so 
I wrote this book because people needed a book that not only showed that people struggle, but showed what it looked like to go through it. Mm. And, you know, I figured telling a personal story along with a bunch of theory and talking about other couples would give people a sense of what it looks like on the ground. So that's why I wrote the book. Oh, I love it. You know, Lord, I talk about that all the time. We all have a dozen, two dozen major pain points that everyone else relates to. And so, in a sense, what you're doing is saying there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and the tunnel's really dark. It's really hard to go through that tunnel. There may be a light somewhere at the end there, and this tunnel... And you can't see it now. That's right. right. Yes. And, you know, we meet so many couples that just feel stuck. They just feel stuck, and they're scared, and they're thinking, is it going to be like this forever, and is there any hope for me? And can there be any hope for my marriage if I'm the only one that wants to work on it? Yeah. And we believe, yes, there can be, and you do too. So I don't want to throw your husband under the bus, but did you find yourself in a situation where you were the one that wanted to work on the marriage, and he was like, no, I think we're okay? Yeah, that was pretty much, it was, um, I had come home from uh, doing a very long training about marriage and couples therapy. And I came home Mm. saying, I now understand why we're driving each other crazy. And here's a plan. All we need to do is X, Y, Z, and it's going to be really great. And he thought I'd like gone to a cult or something, you know, like, like, it's like, this is crazy. What do you mean you have to be able to be solid and separate and stand on your feet in order to be close? Like, aren't we just going to be further and further apart? It's Mm. already bad enough. You know, and or he would sometimes say, you know, you're reaching for pie in the sky. And oh. so it wasn't so much that he didn't want to work on the marriage. He just didn't a he didn't want it to be like my plan. Yeah. And sure. B, okay. you know, he thought pretty much that, like most of us do. Our marriage would be great if you would just change these <laughs> four or five ways. Yeah. And so, you know, if I would just stop doing the things that bother him, we'd be great. And so, like, why do we need to do all this stuff? And so rather than give up, I decided to take some of the theoretical pieces that I had understood both just in general sense of psychotherapy and couples therapy that we can't change another person. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that, even though everybody tries to go, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and then so, they try. Yes. Right. Yep. It's like, but but I can, I bet you I can. I'll be one of those ones who succeeds. Mm. And the other one was that, systems, families, families and couples are a system. And if you look at systems theory, systems theory is that each part interacts with the other part. And if you change one part of a system, you're influencing the whole system. Mm. And people can get this from, if you think about like a polluted lake, if the polluter stops pouring stuff into the lake, it's not going to instantly clean up. But slowly over time, new plants come back in and the new plants bring new fish and then the fish come in and all that's happened is one change has occurred, which has stimulated, Mm. has set off a bunch of positive changes. Mm. And so that's what happens in a marriage. If one person stops contributing negativity, it doesn't mean that instantly their spouse is, you know, Mary Sunshine. What it means is... There's one less piece of that. I have this thing I call the Velcro theory of relationships, which is if you don't have the thing for the something to stick on, 
it doesn't stick on it. Mm. Like if your spouse oh, yeah. makes a face and you stop saying, why'd you make that face? <laughs> that just sort of stops happening. Oh, yeah. Nobody oh, ever no. No, no, no faces. No faces. So that's, I, say, I say that yeah. to Laura, though. I'm like, what's the face? And she's like, I'm not making a face. I'm like, you're making a face. Yeah, she's like, I don't that's think that's I'm making a face. Yes. Oh, my goodness. My husband's grandmother used to say, this is my natural face. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's true. That's so yeah. interesting because if that's a constant fight, like, why are you making that face? I'm not making that face. And then there's a fight. If you stop right. that aspect of it, well, then that fight doesn't ever come up again. Doesn't exist. Whether they're making a face or not, whether or not it makes you feel bad or whether or not you're second guessing what they're saying based on how their face is relating to you, all those things, that and just a, goes away. I love that, the Velcro thought, theory. If there's nothing to stick to, wow. That's right. Mm. Or if your partner says, you're being impossible, and you look into your own internal conversation, like, am I being impossible now? yes. No, no, I don't think I'm being impossible. Good, I don't have to argue about whether gravity exists. Mm. I don't have to argue. No, no, the earth is round. It's like, really? You think I'm being impossible? Huh, interesting. That's funny. I went to. It doesn't go. It doesn't stick. I went to an intensive retreat for therapy. I was gone for quite some time and came home, and I was such a hair trigger, angry, you know, I was scared of everything. And it came out in every aspect. And I come home from this and I'm behaving in this totally different way. And Laura's used to, you know, someone that is ready for a fight at any moment. And all of a sudden, I don't want to fight. And it's like, you know, all this stuff. And I remember she said something like, everything's about you. This is all you and you're this and you're so great. And it's, you're so self-centered and all this stuff. And I was like, what? I'm self-centered. And I was talking to my counselor and he was like, She's really angry. You're not being self-centered, but she're you're also not behaving in a way that she's used to and that's so unsettling. But you don't need to have that fight. You know, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not self-centered. I'm going to prove to you that's not a necessary fight to have and it was like, "Oh, we don't have to have that. I can just be like, like the oh. earth really is round. We yeah. don't have to discuss that. Mm. What yeah. would you say to yeah. the person right. that can't even figure out like what changes yeah. needed? Well, that would be everybody. So, <laughs> um, and so I'm so glad we're talking to you. You are just everybody. the best. Oh, awesome. oh, thank you. It's really fun. I love to do this. Okay. So nobody knows what it is. First of all, your yeah. spouse has been telling you the problem is that you're so self-centered or the problem is that you just have to be right all the time. And so then you're fighting about, I don't have to be right all the time. You're the one who has to be right all the time. So you don't even know what it is. And I didn't either. I didn't know what was wrong. I only knew that I couldn't stand some quality of our interactions. Mm. We were basically happy except when we weren't. And it was miserable when we were fighting and when we were doing our thing with our kids and having a life and having a barbecue and doing stuff and make you know life was great digging stuff in the garden but when we got into it it was so awful Mm. and I thought I would throw away all that good stuff to not have to have this awful experience Mm -hmm. so I started to think what makes this experience so awful and I didn't really know but I decided I was, that was really my starting point. I decided I'm going to figure out 
what's wrong here? And it's probably not what my husband thinks is, you know, is wrong here, Mm -hmm. particularly about me. And it took a long time to create the change, but I figured out that there was a particular argumentation style that he had, which was kind of like, you started to talk about, like, I tripped over your shoes in the dark, and could you move your shoes? But somehow it morphed into, like, my parents and my personality and why I brought it up and the fact that last week I left something outside. And it was like, I sort of I described it as like, there's like a tornado and it just starts picking up stuff. It would, then the, the conversation would be like it would pick up. And suddenly there I am in the middle going, what, what? And right. I started. I I thought we were talking about shoes in the dark, and now we've got 18 other things. I was talking about whether or not therapists are idiots. Like, wait a minute, how did we get (laughs) to this? And then I would feel like my brain was turning into, like, soup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I hated him. And so I figured out, okay, that's what it is. And it's not like he wanted to torture me it was just his fight it was just his self-protective style Mm -hmm. and eventually I thought of him as like a squid you know like a squid is a pretty vulnerable animal they don't have a skeleton they don't have anything but what they have is this ink and so it sprays out this ink and then you're in this black ink and you disable your prey with chaos Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that was yeah and it was just a survival strategy of his but it made me crazy sure but i like that you put it's his self-protective style you know in your quest to figure out what's going on and what's wrong and trying to fix things like that what you're saying is it's not my husband's an idiot it's not my husband's malicious it's not my husband's out to get me it's he's trying to protect himself and the way he does that is making me feel crazy exactly and so people will always come in with yeah, but my husband is, you know, a malignant narcissist, and my husband is this, or my wife is a, has a borderline personality disorder, <laughs> and my, and so it's kind of like, yeah, you can have some people who have a lot of problems, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. have a lot of stuff going on, but many of us just have ordinary, slightly messed up, anxious partners who have learned terrible fighting styles. Either they withdraw from conflict or they run toward conflict and light it on fire Mm. or (laughs) something like that. And so if you stop focusing on your partner, so I stopped focusing on why are you changing the subject and wait, 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 like Robert's rules of order. Like, wait, we were supposed to follow this. And then why are you so wait, that's when I table that for later. Like Mm. none of that. So I just focused on myself. And what I realized was that I couldn't think straight around his kind of snowstorm of words. Mm. And so I hadn't had really much of a strategy. This is to your question of like, what if you don't know what the thing is? Mm. It's an experiment. There's this Japanese proverb that says, fall seven times, stand up eight. Yeah, That's the approach. It's like, okay, let me see if this works for me to keep my head on my shoulders when he's talking. Nope, that didn't work. Let's see if this works. Nope, that didn't work. So one day I thought, hold on a minute. I just looked at him in the middle of an argument. I said, just a minute. And I went into the living room and I could feel like my brain quieting down and my thoughts coming back. 
And I was like, oh, that's interesting. There's like a contagion of intensity. Mm. It's like, okay, so, and then I cooled myself down. I came back in and I like was sucked back in in about six or seven seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And then I kept walking back out. And it was like when you said you came home and you had changed, he's like, what are you doing? You started this fight. Now you're trying to stop it? I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah. Well, that's not fair. It's like, oh, maybe we should just keep going. That would be really great. Yeah. <laughs> let's just fight. Okay, fine. Let's fight. But eventually, and when I say eventually, I'm really saying like a year. It took me about a year okay. to be able to resist the whole thing and to be able to see my part and to see his part and to see the ways in which I would make little provocative statements mm. that would inflame him. And then I would think, look at him. He's so inflamed. Like it took me about a year to actually untangle. And then one day we started to have one of these and I was just able to stand there and think. Mm. And then suddenly it was like a hidden in plain sight, like a door open and there were other options, like things like, hey, honey, you know, this is our repetitive fight, and it's really dumb. And, like, I don't really care whether we buy bananas that are ripe or not ripe, but it's, like, really okay. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if I made a face, hey, sorry, I'm not even aware I made a face, but tell me, what's your issue? What are you concerned about? Like, mm. suddenly there was just this new thing because we weren't, kind of like that tumbleweed going around in yeah. the car. Sure, sure. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey Rebels, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition, and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit SaveTheStorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. A year to some people that are in the middle of like stress and strife and anxiety and all that and hopelessness seems like that's like an eternity. How did you not just get so discouraged Trying didn't work. Trying didn't work. Trying didn't work. And the other thing with that is you're the only one trying. Like, I think sometimes people are like, well, I really, really want my marriage to work as long as my spouse is willing to work on it too. Right. It's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. Okay. So when I say a year, it wasn't as if nothing happened and then suddenly like it was like zero and then a hundred. I noticed that little by little, I felt stronger. Little by little, I had ways of not engaging. Little by little, I started to notice that he wasn't the only one who started fights. Mm. So this observational process gave me a handful of things to work on. Like, can I let go of, of something inconsequential. 
Yes. And it, it would be like, well, apparently not. Okay, well, next time <laughs> that comes up, why don't I try? A client of mine get, quoted something that was terrific. And he said that Plato said it, and I've never been able to see it quoted anywhere except Dilbert. But anyway, the line was, never argue with an idiot in public, because when people come by, no one will be able to tell which one of you is the idiot. I think that's just a Dilbert one. That's fantastic. I know, except for that. He said this, I think, before Dilbert came on into the world. But (laughs) nonetheless, whatever it is, let's say it's Dilbert, it's like, what, do I have to be an idiot in this argument? You know, it's like gravity exists here. Let me take this and drop it. I will prove that to you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I know I'm not making a face here. I'm going to stare at you. You know, just idiotic stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, or like we had a really, a, a really terrific one, which was that I noticed that my husband liked to have the last word. Mm-hmm. And the last word didn't have to be a word. It could be him walking away going, huh. But it would irk me. And so I realized, I thought, okay, I'll let him have the last word. That was so hard. Mm, It was hard because Mm -hmm. I kept wanting to say something in addition. And then, of course, then I discovered that if I don't like him to have the last word, guess who must want to have the last word? Exactly. (laughs) You know, Mm, like (laughs) something makes the last sound, the last harumph, the last door gets closed the last whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like, why can't it be him? Give that to, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. why am I hanging on? So I started to make smaller changes, but what I want to encourage people with is yeah. pick something. You can pick something small to try it out, but you can also pick something significant and put your mind to it, and you will discover what contribution you make to this dysfunctional pattern, just like the last word thing or discovering that if I complained about more than two things mm. in the morning, my husband really was like, felt like the whole day was set off to a bad thing. Right. So if I just didn't say, honey, do you think you could like squeeze out the sponge and not leave tomato sauce in it? Like mm. if I just didn't say that sort of thing in the morning, it was much better. I could do that. Mm-hmm. So you, you start to observe, what am I doing? And what's going on here? And what piece can I change in this particular pattern? Mm, oh, I love that. Yeah. You're letting people take responsibility for themselves. In yeah. a way, staying in their own lane, right? Like, yes. I'm the only one I can change. I can't change yeah. my spouse, but I can change me. So you've worked with hundreds and hundreds of couples over the years. How do you encourage the one to keep going essentially on their own. I mean, I feel yes. bad saying that and it's so yeah. prevalent. It's so prevalent, mm-hmm. yes. you know, where it's, I yes. just wish they would work on it with me. I just wish they would work on it with me. Absolutely. But what we're trying yeah. to get is a good marriage and we can, we might just have to do all the work and it's like, but I want so both of us to work secret. at it. But here's the trick. Mm. Okay. So first let's start with this. Basically, your partner's doing squat. Okay. So like, what do you think? You think I should just drop down to that crappy level and that ought to work out really well. Or I should stand there yelling at them about how they're not doing anything. That's the really the way to enroll someone in change, you know? And so if you think about ditching all those alternatives, you just say, okay, 
My partner does not is either afraid, stuck, mm. despairing, one foot out the door, lacking in imagination, like, you know, distrustful, like just like my partner mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. how he or she is. So in the meanwhile, I'm going to get stronger, clearer, uh, more mature, mm-hmm. like what could, there's nothing to lose in acting more like a grown up even if your partner is acting like a six-year-old. Well, and what you said about the systems, it's so important. I think that's so ingenious. I'm going to use this every time I talk about marriage. I will give you credit for it. But saying, you know, going to therapy for yourself will make your marriage better because you will be a stronger, more mature person. You'll deal with past trauma. You'll deal with past hurt or present hurt. You'll get some more skill sets. You'll get another tool. Mm -hmm. You have another coping mechanism. You know, but here's the piece though, that I want to add for encouragement to people, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is you are not the only one changing because as a system, it's like somebody stops pouring that toxic Mm -hmm. stuff in. Um, that what happens is, A, sometimes your partner will kind of give you kind of grudging respect for like, huh, I got to say, you know, like, that was good. You know, occasionally your partner will see that it looks better for, you know, to be acting like a grown up. Mm. Uh, you're not poking your partner in the eye about poking what's the wrong bear. with them. <laughs> yeah. they're, not, they're not so defensive. You know, it's like when people get defensive, Everybody thinks like, oh, that person's so defensive. Well, maybe you ought to stop throwing stuff at them. Like maybe they're defending themselves because you're criticizing them, you're attacking them, or they could very well be insecure. And so why you want to poke into like, well, what's wrong with you that you're not? It's like Mm. if somebody is defensive, they're afraid. And everybody likes to say you're so defensive. Oh, no, in the face of your barrage of criticism, and your displeasure with me or your disappointment, I'm just going to open up. Like, mm, sure. Yeah. Oh, you know? my goodness. And who oh, knows? I see that with children all the time. Of course. And sure. who knows what their past is? Who knows how their parents treated them? Who knows what their ex-wife right. or their ex-husband said to them and how that's now playing out? You know, that fear right. and that defensiveness. Right. Man, that's so wise. Mm. It is so wise. Mm-hmm. And so what happens and what happened in my marriage was that After a while, my husband wasn't the only one trying to, I wasn't the only one trying to de-escalate things. Mm. Like he one day said, hey, you know, I think this fight's done. We ought to stop. And it was just like, (laughs) oh, he's letting go too. And it wasn't because I was telling him to. It just started to feel better at our house. I sometimes say, Kindness begets more kindness, mm-hmm. not always, but you can't go wrong being kind and speaking respectfully to your partner, so even true. while yeah. you're thinking, so I true. can't believe she's saying that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when you start to change the climate, it starts to feel different. So it really isn't, I'm the only one changing, I'm the only one carrying the dead weight of my spouse's blah, blah. It's you're changing the system. I would never want to say to someone, just do all the heavy lifting all by yourself and learn to live with the person who like doesn't want to contribute anything and won't talk to you. Yeah. It's, I mean, in some marriages, people grow themselves out of the marriage, 
But most people haven't done the hard work mm. to kind of see how far can we push this. I was pleased and I knew it on paper, but I had no guarantee that my husband was going to start to change. He's a lovely man. But what happens in a marriage is that you don't always bring out the best in each other. Right, right. Yeah. And also what happens is that intimacy is difficult. Relationships are hard. Mm -hmm. And so people are afraid. Many people want to avoid being hurt. Big surprise. Yeah. And so we don't always bring out the best and we can't always see ourselves. It's much easier. I can tell you what I think is wrong with you. It's not that easy for me to see what am I doing? So that's the first step that I tell people. Mm -hmm. See if you can just observe. You know, awareness is the first step toward any kind of change. What's going on here? Mm. Well, let's see. I'm doing a lot of blaming. Okay, I should check that as something I might want to work at. Or like, I am not using my voice. I'm letting myself be run over. That makes me angry. Okay, I need to do something about using my voice. Like, figure out what's making you miserable by watching yourself be miserable. Mm. Wow. So what have you seen the impact of anxiety in marriages? Like, I just, we have so much anxiety in our culture. And I was just wondering, yeah. you're a professional, yeah. you're seeing all these yeah. people all the time. How does that play yeah. out in today's marriage? You know, anxiety is a complicated thing, because there's mm. anxiety, like, panic and fear yeah and then you know biological stuff going on and trauma and then there's the general anxiety of the fact that we don't have a lot of control over pretty much anything right and so we don't have control over our kids we can influence them we don't have control over our spouse half the time we don't have that much control over ourselves yeah and so that makes people anxious and mm. what we actually have to be able to do is tolerate the ambiguity and the unknown rather than offload it exploding into a fight or just curl up into a ball the middle is carrying a certain amount of tension so that and which it was essentially an ex a description of what i was doing in my stepping out of the kitchen and coming back in Correct. which was trying to cool my head down and tolerate the tension rather than giving up or just Going blowing back it out. At it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so we get anxious. We don't know how you're going to respond. We want, I want your approval terribly much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to say this thing and then you're going to say that you're going to make that face <laughs> and then I'm not going to be able, then I'm just going to collapse and it's going to be your fault that I feel so bad about myself. And so that's, it plays out all the time. Life mm -hmm. is anxiety provoking. We actually have to learn how to calm ourselves down under pressure, mm. not calm ourselves down like on the meditation cushion where there's no <laughs> challenge, which is sure. a lovely thing. I meditate, but just that it's on the ground in the scene with your partner or your kids mm -hmm. that you have to figure out, how am I going to keep my head on? You know, there are all these phrases. It's really interesting. It is your neocortex. It is your prefrontal cortex that we lose grip of. And then the lower brain, you know, just starts going like that. But there's all these phrases. Keep your hat on. Don't blow your stack. Like even yeah. language is all about like, hang on to your neocortex and don't let go. 
Oh, that's a good anchor. It is. You know, you've got something you talk about in your book. It's the developmental stages of marriage. And Laura and I are about to celebrate our 14th year of marriage in a couple of weeks. My parents are about to celebrate 60 years of marriage, which I'm just blown away by. And I was thinking about it. I mean, I can't imagine how much change my parents have experienced over 60 years. Yes. I mean, my mom was a school teacher when they met and she taught school while he went through med school. And then she raised my sister and I and stayed home. And then she went back to the workforce and had a career for 25 years. My dad went from being a teacher to a counselor to working at a hospital, being a professor, running his own organization, you know, and then having young kids and teenagers and then kids in college, kids out of the house. I mean, they have to be... not like completely three different marriages. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, they're yeah. not totally different people today in their 80s as they right. were in their 30s, yeah. but right. kind of. I mean, they're, they've been through oh, huge. Yeah. And I think that's a shock yeah. to people when they go through different seasons of marriage being like, I don't even know who you are. Like, I married this one person, and now 10 years later, you're a different person. You know, I'm used to the old person or... I'm not comfortable with the, right. you know, kind of thing. What are those developmental stages of marriage? How do we ride through those without it, you know, kind of throwing us off balance? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in just a kind of a quick lesson, it's like we all start out in this, you are perfect for me. There is nothing wrong with you. <laughs> we are so in love. Any flaws that you have are so irrelevant because you are so golden and we both drink orange juice in the morning. I mean, what could be more perfect than that? And so (laughs) what could ever go wrong? (laughs) What could ever go wrong? And then the next stage is, well, you know, actually, I I didn't tell you, I really don't like orange juice. And and really, I'm obsessed with sports, you know, like all the different things that we Mm -hmm. don't want somebody to know when we're first dating. And um, and it's like, oh, yeah, watch a ball game. Oh, I don't care. You know, it's like, you just want to be like, the perfect person. So then the real stuff starts to come in. Mm. Like when you're pushed to the wall, you can be nasty. You weren't nasty before. Sure. sure. And so like all that real stuff starts to come out. That's the phase where most people either break up or get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's Mm. the phase where what we have to figure out is how to advocate for ourselves. Like ideally getting through that stage, I can speak, I can listen to you. I can calm myself down even when when things are heated. We don't have to be perfect. I can accept the fact that we're not exactly the same. I can stand alone. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. stand with. Mm -hmm. It's going to be okay. We can get ourselves through our difficulties. We don't have to pretend we have to go back to honeymoon time where we had no problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for you and our listeners, Laura and I have completely experienced this. We met on a blind date. And a total blind date. Like we had talked on the phone, but it wasn't like the heavens opened up every time the phone rang and it was Laura. Met on a blind date, got engaged three weeks later, and married five months after that. So on our wedding day, we hadn't known each other six months. So we hadn't gone through traumatic experiences together where we saw each other under fire. How do you handle life while you're in the middle of, you know, a boiling pot? Stress, yeah. And, you know, the ups and downs, you know, all those things. And so I had... 
a therapist tell me ahead of time, hey, you're going to learn all kinds of stuff about Laura after you get married Mm -hmm. that you don't know today. Some of those things you're not going to like. And Mm -hmm. so is this till death do you part or is it till it gets hard? Because certainly it will get hard. It will get hard. You know, we've been through deaths in the family. We've been through cancer a couple of times. We've been through all kinds of different things and didn't know how each other would respond or react in that. And it has been scary at times. And I think I just want people to understand it's so normal. It's such a natural process to be like, I didn't know this was who you are. You know, well, it's who you are in this situation. It's who you are in this season. But is it an identity who you are or is it a time period who we are? Well, that's actually a good point. Or, you know, is it under this condition? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. when you are screaming at me, I actually curl up like a pill bug. Like, is it under certain circumstances? Mm-hmm. But sometimes we discover in stage two, there are things about you that I find really difficult and I wish they were different. I wish you were more like me. And hmm, apparently you're not going to be. Right. And so when we yeah. come to peace with some of that, I mean, I have clients who fight over should we keep the olive oil on the counter or in the cupboard? Well, we use it every day. It should be on the counter. Well, I want it in the cupboard because I don't like clutter. Yeah, but I don't want to have to reach up. Like, this is what they are actually doing. Yeah. You know, and it's all, why can't you be more like me? Yeah. So when we get to a point of like, yeah, I can't have everything my way all the time. Sometimes I can yield. Sometimes I'm going to need to stand my ground. We can deal with this. Then people can take a little break from like the couple, the couple, and they can go off and learn Spanish or they can decide to go back to school because the relationship is a secure thing and they're not having to keep being so hooked in with each other. It's a kind of a growing stage. But then people start to feel like we're sort of not as close as I'd like to be. But when you have gone through that, the closeness that you come back to is actually much richer because you're whole and solid and you can deal with conflict. You don't have to be approved of all the time. And it gets much deeper, but you can't get there from the beginning without going through that creepy second stage where it's not so pretty. And, you know, it's hard. Mm. And how long does that usually last? Does it differ with every person? I mean, it feels like it could be like a lifetime. With many people, it is a lifetime. People will say, my parents were married for 60 years and they fought every day of their life until one of them dropped dead. Yeah, right. I've right. heard that. Yeah, they yeah. never move past that second stage. They That's never right. move past that mm, stage. Okay. Or people split up. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, this isn't work. I'm going to go find someone with whom I have. I mean, I remember being at a dinner and there was this couple. We were talking because I had done a presentation. We were talking and they said, we've been together 11 years. I don't think we've ever had an argument. Yeah, we've met people like that too. I know. And I was just like, you know, my real feeling was, Oh, okay, good for you. And then I wanted to talk to the other people next to me who actually wanted to talk about the ways in which they've had to grow and the things yeah. they've learned about each other. It's like, okay, I'm happy for you. Yeah. You know, like, good. And I don't actually know, you know, sometimes people are so compliant all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that scene in, in Annie Hall, Woody Allen runs up to these people. You look so happy. You're both smiling. What is it? Well, I'm completely vapid, and why? And I and me, I have no opinions. (laughs) Totally, totally, exactly. Well, I think (laughs) sometimes I really found this where, you know, you're this one couple, and then you have kids, 
and then you're a different couple with kids. And so there's all this energy and time put into children. And then the kids graduate high school, they go to college, and you got a couple that looks at each other and goes, Who are you? I don't know who you are. We haven't really been a couple for the last 12 years. And yeah, that's hard. I get those people, and they <clears throat> want to know, like, is this it? Right. But mm. they haven't been feeding, they haven't been nurturing, you know, creating that. In a way, they're starting over from scratch, except... You know, maybe over the last 12 years, they've kind of been like, ugh, I'm so sick of you doing blah, blah, blah. But all the energy is being poured into kids. You're not really working on it. Now you're left alone just with the things that you've piled up that you don't like over the last 12 years. Yeah. You know, and if we go back to the, like, what do people do? How can you tackle this thing? I often ask people in the first session that I see them, What's one thing that you know that you could change that would give you a better relationship? Ooh. Mm, Just perfect. one thing. And that's it's sometimes, well, I can stop. I can say good morning. Or, you know, she would love it if I would just make the bed. Yep. yep. And sometimes it's a bigger thing. Like, I should call when I'm going to be late from work. Or mm. I should tell her when I'm going out of town on a business trip. Like it gets bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people go, I love it when people come in and they say, I always turn my partner down for sex. I bet that if I said yes, sometimes instead of just being the only initiator, I think she'd like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, hey, there's a thing. Yeah. We talk about that one all the time. Mm, That's right. That is really good. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey Rebels, this part of the podcast is brought to you by Care Of, one of our new sponsors. The website is TakeCareOf.com. The code word is Rebel Parenting, 25% off your first month. It's hard to get back into a healthy routine when you've been out of it for a while. And Laura and I know this. We've been out of working out. We just joined a new gym and I wanted to kickstart it. So I've been trying to figure out what vitamins and supplements to take. And so I went to my doctor, he did a blood panel and he's recommended some things. And right about that time, Care Of called and said, we want to sponsor the podcast. And they provide uh, supplements, vitamins, and they've got a really neat online quiz you can take. And I was a little skeptical, but I went through the online quiz, filling out the things that I want to do. I want to lose weight, gain muscle and help sleep and uh, have some stress, stuff like that. They came back with virtually the exact same thing my doctor came back with after the blood panel. Uh, He said I needed magnesium and vitamin D, creatine, protein powder. They came back with the exact same thing, and I was stoked. It makes it so easy, so convenient, shipped it right to our door, and they've got great tasting flavors. We just mix it up in our tumblers, take it throughout the day. It's really been a huge help, and what I really look forward to Uh, look for in a company like this is the transparency. Where are the supplements coming from? How are they packaged? How are they brought to you? And they've got all of that on there. It's takecareof.com, code word, Rebel Parenting. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? So how do we get past that entitlement of, I mean, is it just really a maturing process on our part to say, well, even if the other person's not going to work on it, I'm going to anyway because ultimately it will make me a better person. It will probably make our marriage and our home life That's better. Exactly. It's it. just a maturing process where we've got to kind of grow courage. up and say, okay, it's, it's, it's maturity, it's courage. Mm, courage. courage. 
I like that even better. It's scary. It is. Thank you for saying that. I think so many people, it's just like, oh my goodness, but what if I do all this work and nothing happens? Yeah. Right? And it it feels like it's taking so long. You know, it is. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to be in a place where you're unhappy and you know your spouse is unhappy and you're like, am I really going to do all this work? Am I really going to try this hard hoping it gets better? Mm -hmm. Well, you could not do it. And you could get a divorce yeah. or you could stay unhappy. There are three mm. choices. We can leave or stay. But if we're going to stay, we still have two choices left, which is we can figure out what we're going to do with ourselves in our situation or we're going to let our partner drive us completely insane. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Three choices. Let me say that one again. Yes, yeah, I just it wrote it down. You can leave or you can stay. So if you stay, you've now got two choices. Basically, let yourself be driven crazy by the situation or figure out what you want to do about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Stay and be unhappy or stay and work at it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Mm. You know, there have been some tough love moments in my life that have been transformative. They really have completely transformed me. And I think this is one of those statements for couples. It's you've got two choices, stay or leave. And if you stay, you then have two more choices, stay and be unhappy or stay and work. Yep. And then have hope, right? You are giving yourself hope. You're becoming a more courageous person, a stronger person. I tell you what, that's an interesting one. I don't know if you've had this in your practice. Laura and I have coached a number of couples over the years. We're not doing it right now. And... I remember the first time one of the couples got a divorce and it was like, at first it was like, oh, we lost, you know, we failed. This is a failure on our part. And I was examining the couple and one partner got sober, got into therapy, started working out really, they were doing this before the marriage ended, but really went on this tear of self-improvement and trying to work on them and became a very healthy person. And while I was sad, the divorce took place and I was disappointed that it ended in divorce. I still looked at it as, wow, you know, with help, these kids have two models to look at. And one of them is someone that got introspective that really was courageous, was very brave, and did a lot of work and ended up being a very healthy parent yeah. and healthy partner. Took responsibility. Took responsibility. Looked at his own yeah. contribution. And has a better life. Has a better He's life. He's a better guy. Yeah. Yes. Feels better, likes himself. You know, sometimes we outgrow, and that is just somebody, you know, if you really do your work, you will sometimes grow beyond the growth of your partner. Mm -hmm. But most often, we stay so close to the partner, like we lower our standards and we stay stuck, rather than starting to move because unless the partner really has some, uh, you know, serious reasons why they don't want to look and don't want to grow, most people do. Most people Yeah. That's true. Start to change. That's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. I completely, completely agree. I do think it's the rarity 
where when one partner really, really works and really strives and really takes it on that the other one is just like, nope, not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I'd like to be miserable or divorced. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and sometimes people, like let's say in your story with the person who got sober, yeah. maybe the other person really was already two feet out the door, mm-hmm. like fed up, it had been too much, and this person could turn into Mother Teresa and yeah. they're just finished. Mm-hmm. So people yeah. are, I ask people, you know, when they come in, they're really in a mess. How many feet out? One foot out, mm-hmm. two feet out, mm-hmm. two feet in. Mm-hmm. You know, Definitely. it's like if someone's two feet out, we have to d- get them to at least put one foot in. Otherwise, they're not really, it's like, fine, you go do all that work and I'm going to sit here and watch you, but I'm not being married to you. Sure. Mm-hmm. August. <laughs> but I really want to encourage people that, you know, even when we talk about, work. It's like, it wasn't like I was like on a chain gang banging rocks in the hot sun. I was like learning how to hold myself together, Mm -hmm. learning how to use my voice, learning to be less reactive, Mm -hmm. being more generous, looking at my own stubbornness, uh, reducing the amount of blaming that I did. This is not like this is important. Yes. It was like, yes. oh, I'm dragging my marriage along. It was like, I am becoming a better person. Right. Yeah. Which is exciting, too. It I is. mean, it's if you. Exciting. I liked myself more and yes. more. I was being able to yes. stand there and he could say, blah, blah, blah. And I could think, wow, you are like a magician. Yeah. Yeah. You and know? not only that, you so could anybody else. Magician. It wasn't just with your husband. You got better at every other relationship right. out there, every other encounter, every everything. other reaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it was a checkout person at the grocery store or a CEO or a publisher you're working with, you all of a sudden had tools for every relationship you were in. You calm yourself mm-hmm. down under pressure. You can use your voice. You know when to shut up from strength. You know when to shut up. You know, mm-hmm. you went, know when to go, you know when to stop, mm-hmm. you know how to not take everything so personally. You, <laughs> Who cares if you made a face? Oh, you made a face. Yeah, okay. But the point was I was trying to make is we need to go to the bank. You know, it's yeah. like yeah. you're not yeah. going to get all hooked up. It's, it's like free. I, I, I described freedom. it as like popping outside of gravity and mm. imagining, you know, you're just sort of free and moving around. You're not all encumbered. And he made a face. I don't care. You know, he yeah. had the last word. Yeah, whatever, if he needed yeah. that. It's like, <laughs> make yourself happy, honey. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I, one last thing before we go, because we've gone so long, and I love it so much. It's just fantastic. I'm so energized by this. I'm just so happy. It's so much fun to talk to you. Oh, you're just amazing. Can you talk to the spouse that ends up working and working and working, and it doesn't work out? Where... Yeah. They did grow and they did stretch and there's this desire. I'm thinking of someone in particular. There is a desire to be with someone. There's a desire to be loved and to be accepted and to be Mm -hmm. cherished and to have, you know, a partner in life and in parenting and that and it doesn't work out where in a way in that early stage, it's not forever, but I know that and because I've been through divorce. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to go to counseling and be like, oh, no, I don't want to work on this. I'm just doing this because if we don't, I'll look bad. You know, and so lots of people. There is that initial thing of, oh my goodness, I did so much, and it got me. And if, what we think is, it got me nowhere. 
the thing that I didn't want to happen happened, even though we've grown and we've changed and we've matured and we're, you know, all those things. But now, uh, so I think it's the wrong storyline. It got me nowhere is not true. Mm. It brought you to a place of clarity. That's very painful. You are making a choice now that is painful. It is not the choice you wanted to be making, but the strength that you've gotten the clarity you've gotten is actually going to give grew the legs that will help you mm. walk away from a situation that's not healthy. And you've raised your standards mm. for what it is that you will be looking for in a partner. And not like, you know, so my partner never talks, so I'm going to get someone who talks a lot like that. That's its own bed of nails. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's just that you are clear. I deserve to be treated well. I deserve to be spoken to nicely. Not every minute. It's okay if somebody loses their cookies, but I have a standard. I want a partner who actually wants me, who wants to work, who's not Mm. so stuck in their stuff that they don't want to work on it. Mm -hmm. You know, we can all always grow. I never put a ceiling over what someone can do, Mm -hmm. but sometimes people don't want to. They're too afraid and they don't want to go out of their comfort zone and I'm not going to drag them and their spouse is not going to drag them. Right. You can't do the work for them. Mm. And that's one of our mottos here. I mean, I'm sure you get this. You get couples that come in and you're like, fix me. And you're like, well, I can't do the work for you. Which usually fix them, but (laughs) 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 yes, and you can't do the work for them and you can't do the work for your spouse. I mean, in a way, what we're saying is, you can work on the marriage by yourself and every now and then, I think it's the exception, but every now and then it doesn't end up going the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it has not been a waste of time because yep. most of those people can say, you know what? I really did give it my all. I tried it. I gave it my At best. At the end of the day. As opposed mm-hmm. to, well, you know, maybe if we had done something, it's like, I'm clear that I went 100% in Oh, it's and so I important. feel good about myself. Yes, yeah. that is that's it huge. Is, I remember coaching a couple and being like, "Listen, just go all out." I mean, if you're going to fail, fail catastrophically, fail in the biggest way possible, because at the end of the day, you have a clear conscience. I did everything I could do. There wasn't one last yeah. thing, and they still decided, "No, I don't want to be in the marriage." Clear conscience is yeah. priceless. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. I like that. It's mm-hmm. priceless. Yeah, and you're validating. It's like. I'm okay. Yeah. You know, because all that work, it just, you know, I do Pilates and the more Pilates you do, the stronger your core, the stronger your core, the better you feel, Mm -hmm. the better you Mm -hmm. feel, the stronger your core, you know, and you Mm -hmm. actually become more solid and steady. And it's the same with marriage. You become more steady. You become more solid. Stuff doesn't knock you over so much. And that, that just feels good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. This is just oh, fantastic. Really fun. Thank oh. you. I'm so glad to be talking with you. I am and a I huge hope this fan. Help a bunch of people get kind of get themselves in gear and and be willing to kind of go for it. Amen. Definitely. Definitely. We are adding your book to our resource list for Thank you so sure. Much. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, Rebels, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sharing this with your friends and family. We appreciate that. Thanks to Winifred Riley for coming on the podcast today. 
Find her book, It Takes One to Tango, on Amazon.com and wherever books are found. Thanks to our sponsors, Care of at TakeCareOf.com, code word Rebel Parenting, SaveTheStorks.com, my favorite pro-life organization, and The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com is their website. The Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for our gospel, supplying them with books, resources, and Bibles for more than 50 years. God bless, Rebels. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. <laughs>